When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who would pick James Marston over Ryan Gosling any day. I am Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2004's The Notebook. Dad and I used to come out here, lay down, watch the lights change, watch them go from green to red to yellow. You could try it if you wanted to. No. That's your problem. You know that? You don't do so what you want. Okay. And once again, I cannot sleep. And what happens if a car comes? You die. So here I Summer romances end for all kinds of reasons. They are shooting stars. A spectacular moment of light in the heavens. Fleeting glimpse of eternity. Windsor Plantation. I'm gonna buy it one day. I'm gonna fix it up. Well, what about me? What do you want? I want a white house with blue shutters. Anything else? I want a big old porch that wraps around the entire house. And in a flash, they're gone. He's a nice boy, but he's... He's what? He is trash! 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 Not for you! You're leaving. I'm staying here. It's over! Okay, it's over! I have opinions on this one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to some discourse today. Yeah, same. Um, Yes. This is by far the most, um, like, um, what do you even call this? It's not, obviously, it's not a rom-com because it's not funny. It's a romance Uh, It's just a romance. It's just a a romance. Sometimes I feel like romance movies can not be sleepover cinema. Yes. But I think this one, because it's 2004 and it's Rachel McAdams, like, there's some heavy crossover in there like it's it just like is sleepover cinema even though it's like so fucking sad (laughs) it's sleepover cinema because a it played on abc family all the time when we were kids and b it's like in the titanic school of romance movies which to me falls into sleepover cinema So before we get into the episode today, you all know our dear friend and collaborator, Joey, Sonny, Joey Donatelli. They have some really, really cute new things that they sent us. Um, They're these really cute little pins and we have to tell you guys about them. They very generously sent us a uh, selection of our choice. Audrey, which ones do you have? Well, I was going to say, if you are only listening, I'll just tell you what they are as well as show the the camera. But um, so one of them is like a spiky ball thing. I guess it's like like one of those lamps, right? Yeah, I think so. It's one of those lamps, but they look kind of like... 2004 birthday party like black sphere with the little rainbow lights on the sides like that's what it's giving me yeah um and then I have a pink Furby um it's called jump scare because it's got like devil horns (laughs) too (laughs) and then I have like this this blonde girl named Indy (laughs) Mm -hmm. um this blonde gal and then we've got Eva 
over here with like puffball buns, which is really cute. Yes, she's really cute. So I and have I Indian think they're Uba. all high. <laughs> I think yes. they're all high. So there's some, there is a some marijuana uh, implications in these pins, but you know what? I'm down with that personally, as you know from the Same. Scooby-Doo episode. So I have those ladies. And then I also have a Furby. It's blue and it's called Screech. I got this hot pink car, like a race car with flames on it. And it says flamer on it, which is funny. Um, Also (laughs) in the details, the little rubber backings that keep it on are heart shaped, which is just like really cute and very Joey. And then of course, especially after last week's episode, I have... (laughs) This one called, uh, so it's a man. It's a man in his underwear with a pink tie labeled daddy figures. And his name is Josh. And Joey was like, even if you didn't ask for Josh, I was going to send you Josh. So here he is. And they're really cute. That's so funny that it's called Josh. I know, isn't it? Like when they (laughs) asked me which ones I wanted, I was like, (laughs) I like contemplated that one. And then I was like, yeah. Maybe not, but I have it and um, he's really cute. One of the things I've been into this week, especially as I'm getting really into doll collector YouTube, which uh, Joey is very, very into also. So we've been discussing a lot of things about various Barbies and brats and everything. Yeah, if you're into dolls, anything related to doll collecting, definitely follow Joey on TikTok because like that's like the bread and butter. But we'll link um, Joey's website where you can like buy any of these pins and also like Joey's social media in general. Yeah, it's great. Literally, they're the nicest person in the world. And I am so happy that we're friends with them. So please support a gal and head over there and check them out. Yeah. Okay, so this week's hot take comes from Jess Crawford and she is asking us to pick a 2000s movie trope that we would like to come back I would like I would like the shopping montage to come back (laughs) shopping montages are really really fun I have to agree yeah oh I mean you know which one I think of immediately I would say extremely decorative male love interests that don't contribute to the plot. I feel like that is not as much of a thing as it used to be. Um, And even though we complain about them, like being shoehorned into a lot of these movies, um, uh, I think it's still kind of fun. I'm thinking specifically of um, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. That is a shoehorned one for sure. But give me like a decorative cute boy. I'm down with that. Okay, so Audrey, are you ready to guide us into the facts? Yes, I am ready. So The Notebook was released on June 25th, 2004, making it a cancer movie. (laughs) I was about to say, on your birthday eve. Yeah, Um, and it was rated PG-13 because you know they had to get the tweens in there. They had to Mm -hmm. get the young teenage girls. We're about to get into this, but as I'm sure a lot of you know, this movie is based on a book by Nicholas Sparks, who had a chokehold on our generation's (laughs) young girls, Um, like Dear John. We'll talk. Also the writer of the last song. Yeah, like. (laughs) We'll get into it more, but anyway. So it was directed by Nick Cassavetes, who is known for Face Off, The Wraith, (laughs) The Astronaut's Wife, and My Sister's Keeper. So basically just like heartbreaking content. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what, that was his bread and butter. Uh, It was produced by Toby Emmerich. Um, He was... And one of the two executive producers, he is known for Frequency, The Butterfly Effect, Rampage, and San Andreas. I only know about The Butterfly Effect in that grouping. Avram Butch Kaplan, also (laughs) executive produced. They are most known for The Notebook, The Mosquito Coast, Devs, and John Q. I don't know about that. What are these things? (laughs) I don't know. Lynn Harris was a producer known for About a Boy, The Fifth Wave, Blade, and Seven. And then finally... You're literally just reading words off a page, like, no idea. Like, I mean, Mark Johnson 
was the final producer known for Rain Man, The Chronicles of Narnia, and The Rookie. So here, there you go. There's three that everybody right. knows. There's, there's a couple little things there. The Notebook, as I just stated, was originally written as a novel by Nicholas Sparks. He's most known for writing Dear John, The Choice, The Longest Ride, Safe Haven, and The Last Song. Who could forget The Last Song and Dear John? I feel like those are the two... That really stick out. I think this was like 2012 around then, 2011. Um, This was me and my friend Bridget in high school. She came over and she's, she's a faithful listener to this podcast. So hello, Bridget, if you're hearing this. She came over and we watched the last song in our parents, my parents' basement. But she like brought like some sort of joint of like synthetic weed, like some kind of like weird weed alternative, like over to our parents' house. And we sat in the driveway and we smoked it. And I remember being like, this is going to get crazy. Like we're watching the last song. And then like, I didn't feel anything. I didn't even feel stoned. So I don't know what was in that, but we did give it a good try. The attempt to be a rebel and then it just like doesn't work (laughs) just like flopping yeah absolutely (laughs) that could not be more realistic (laughs) so then the adaptation was written by jan sardi who is known for shine love's brother ground zero and the notebook (laughs) and then finally the screenplay was written by jeremy levin Known for Don Juan DeMarco, Real Steel, and The Notebook. I think Don Juan DeMarco has Johnny Depp in it. So there's some... All right, great, great. Credibility. (laughs) Okay, so here we got this little synopsis. In 1940s South Carolina, mill worker Noah Calhoun and rich girl Allie are desperately in love, but her parents don't approve. When Noah goes off to serve in World War II, it seems to mark the end of their love affair. Hmm? In the interim, Allie becomes involved with another man. But when Noah returns to their small town years later on the cusp of Allie's marriage, it soon becomes clear that their romance is anything but over. Audrey, it's your time. So the tagline, there's one. There's just only one. And that is behind every great love is a great story. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I think I think it represents the movie well in the fact that, you know, it uses <laughs> a framing device. Um, yes. That is a story being told. So like a story is being told throughout the movie. Um, and so it's just as much about like the retelling of it as it is about mm-hmm. like the actual thing. So yes. I think that is a good tagline. Okay, this cast... Excellent, excellent cast. We're going to start with Rachel McAdams, who plays Allie. She is someone deeply synonymous with our generation's consumption of movies, in my opinion. Um, But she's best known for The Notebook, obviously. Mean Girls as Regina George, obviously. Both these movies came out in 2004, so she had us in a chokehold. And Red Eye and Sherlock Holmes. And then next up, we have Ryan Gosling playing Noah, and he is best known for La La Land, Blue Valentine, Blade Runner 2019, and Drive, amongst other things, I'm sure. But Audrey and I were not Ryan Gosling stands. But speaking of us being or not being stands, next up we have James Marston, the man himself, best known at least in our sphere for having been in Hairspray, X-Men, Enchanted, and Superman Returns. Yeah, James Marston is near the top, if not the number one spot in me and Audrey's list of unproblematic hot white men. He just has that thing. He has that thing to him. And I'm sure we will talk about it much more. Next up, we have James Garner, who plays old Noah. um, And he's best known for this movie, The Great Escape, The Rockford Files, and Space Cowboys. Then we have Gina Rollins, who plays old Allie. And she is best known for this movie, Hope Floats, The Skeleton Key, and A Woman Under the Influence. Okay, (laughs) tell us about this budget. The budget was $29 million dollars. Um, box office opening weekend brought in $13,464,745. Um, domestically, it has made $81,100,000. Um, 
1787 Box Office internationally has made $36,810,836. And finally, worldwide, it has made $117,812,623. First weekend, we've it like jumps pretty consistently, I feel like. 13 mm-hmm. to 81 to 36 to 117. Um, So I feel like this movie did what they wanted it to do. I feel like this met expectations and like kind of cruised. When you've got a huge reader base like that, you're kind of guaranteed, sort of like Fifty Shades. Like you're like guaranteed a certain dollar amount, I feel like. Yeah, and it's also, this was before like social media was huge or like streaming was huge. Like I feel like people read books more than than they do now. I've thought that in the past, but every time I go into a bookstore, I'm just like <laughs> shocked. You're like, wow, like, books. There's just always a ton of people in bookstores. I don't know if it's because it's here and everyone is like, I'm going to read a book or Everyone's what. Like, I'm but literary. Like, I live in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last week too, people reading actual books. I don't know when that died for me, uh, but I'm an audiobook person. We know this. But I remember you used to read books a lot. Like, I mean, I listen. It's not that I don't, it's not that I don't like consume books because I do. I think my problem is that when you half this is definitely it when you read a book you like have to 100% commit to doing it like you can't be doing two things at once like I think that there's some part of me that just like always wants to be multitasking and that is where the audiobook thing comes in all right so critic score was 53%, which is kind of low, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And the critical consensus is, it's hard not to admire its unabashed sentimentality, but the notebook is too clumsily manipulative to rise above its melodramatic cliches. I had to get Roger's take here. I was really curious because I felt like it could go either way. Like, I felt like Mm -hmm. it could really go either way. He gave it 3.5 out of 5 stars, which is pretty generous. It's like a good average to above average. And there's this one little passage from his review that I thought was like the most, it portrayed his opinion the best. Mm -hmm. He said, We all wish Alzheimer's could permit such moments. For a time in the earlier stages of the disease, it does. But when the curtain comes down, there is never another act and the play is over. The notebook is a sentimental fantasy, but such fantasies are not harmful. We tell ourselves stories every day to make life more bearable. (laughs) That's so sad. uh. I know. (laughs) Girl, you already know we're about to be deep in this shit again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Ugh. it's like interesting because I think the critic consensus that I just read is accurate, but I also think that for somebody who has connections to like Alzheimer's or like just, you know, degenerative illnesses, like it could yeah. really, really hit home. Audience score was 85%. And here are some audience takes. Mm-hmm. The connection between the two narratives is supposed to be a big, heartbreaking surprise, though I figured it out well in advance and spent the interim unfavorably comparing this greatest generation hanky ringer to the British drama Iris. Hanky ringer, <laughs> damn. Okay. Next up. Though torn between two storylines, one of which vastly outshines the other, The Notebook is still an impressive production. Never quite escapes the been there, done that feeling of Hollywood romantic cliche with sunny photography and perfectly tailored costumes to boot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and last but not least dentistry in the renaissance could not have been more painful than watching this (laughs) i don't know about all that there's always just a hater that's that really is a hater take like you know that that was like someone's like bully older brother who like needed to shit on it like i hate that so i see we have some gossip in the gossip section in lieu of reading some list of content that was dropped in 04, which we have done many, many, many times. Yes. Um, 
I thought, because, okay, so I was doing the research and then I saw somewhere that Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams were actually in a relationship um, from like 05 to 07. And there's just lots of drama <laughs> involved with Ooh, that. okay. Yeah. So I have like quotes from an article about it. This first quote is from the director, Nick Cassavetes. He said, maybe I'm not supposed to tell this story, but they were really not getting along one day on set. Really not. And Ryan came to me and 150 people are standing in this big scene. And he says, Nick, come here. And he's doing a scene with Rachel. And he says, would you take her out of here and bring in another actress to read off camera with me? I said, what? He says, I can't. I can't do it with her. I'm just not getting anything from this. Um, However, the actors did date for two years. They even planned on getting married, according to a close source. According to Gosling, it was, quote, creepy how entitled people felt to their intimate relationship. Women are mad at me, Gosling said of their split. A girl came up to me on the street and she almost smacked me. Like, how could you? How could you let a girl like that go? I feel like I want to give people hugs. They seem so sad. Rachel and I should be the ones getting (laughs) hugs. Instead, we're consoling everybody else. I mean, God bless the notebook, Gosling says. It introduced me to one of the great loves of my life, but people do Rachel and me a disservice by assuming we were anything like the people in that movie. Rachel and my love story is a hell of a lot more romantic than that. <laughs> I read ahead when we got to that and I my eye roll can be heard across the great wide web right now. <laughs> but you know what? I hope that it was because good for them if that's true. Okay, so when did we first watch this movie and what do we remember? So I already said ABC Family, but that's definitely where I saw it the first time. Uh, They love to play this shit on ABC Family. So that, first of all. Second of all, the Ferris wheel scene really, really, really stuck in my mind. Um... Because my memory was like, that was so romantic and crazy. Like that was because I didn't really remember the scene all that well. So we will talk about that in the second half. I remember James Marston being really hot. That spoiler is still true. Um, I remember the scene where they're like screaming at each other in the rain. Um, I remember that Rachel is like serving. And then I have two really specific things. So one of them was that there was this couple when I was in middle school. So like 2008 and they were named Ali and Noah. So they would like awkwardly (laughs) make it like about them all the time. Like I remember them having like... AIM away messages that like were references to the notebook and the fact that they were like named Ali and Noah in dating. It was a dark time. Um, as far as my memories, it's strange because I know that we probably, I probably was sitting in front of it when it was on, on ABC, ABC family, ABC uh-huh. family, but I never really paid it any mind to it. Like I was not as a child, like, I was not ready. Your bills, so you were I paying wasn't ready for no this mind. content. <laughs> but I do remember, like when they kiss in the rain. But other, that's that's pretty much it. Um, obviously, I I remembered Rachel McAdams serving as well. So I was intrigued going to the rewatch. Like, is this actually going to be sad? Am I actually going to care about these characters? Like, <laughs> and you found out this film is on HBO Max, which is nice. Yes, I was just about to say, if you haven't watched this movie in a long time, clear your schedule for two hours and give it a watch and then meet us back here and we will talk about this movie because there's a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Audrey. I don't even know what I'm gonna, what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> well, maybe we'll cry. Hopefully not. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. 
tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. We are back and it is time to talk about 2004's classic romance movie. And I have to tell you, Audrey, between good and bad, I have a very similar amount of things written down. So if it tips in one direction for you, I will go with it. I actually did have a notable thing for this. Okay. Do you want to start with notable? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, yeah, so I thought that this intro, this credits intro was like <laughs> next level melodramatic. Like I was yes. just like, where are we possibly taking this? Like what yes. is going on? Um, I wrote down, this is a bold opening overall. <laughs> Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's slow. It's like birds flying slow in motion. silhouette. Like it's like strings orchestration and sunset. I mean, it certainly does set the tone, like for sure. The only other thing I put in notable was that her dad, like um, Allie's dad's mustache, is just like huge. <laughs> I wrote down, Allie's dad looks like a villain. <laughs> yeah, like, it, and you kind of expect, um, I kind of expected him to be worse, like a meaner person yeah. uh, than he was because of the way he looked. Like, he just looked so He literally was evil. giving, like, Lord Licorice from Candyland levels yeah. of evil, but, like, less gay seeming. Take the Monopoly man and Lord Licorice and then put him in the South during segregation and you're there. Old Allie is snatched beyond. I was like, whoa. Like she, if you have Alzheimer's and you're still that snatched, like you're doing something right in life. That's literally Um, what I wrote. No, I literally wrote that in Appreciate. (laughs) okay good well we're going into that category so the only other notable thing i wrote is why does it feel surprising that women can drive in the 40s or whatever decade it is like in the 40s and especially like rich ladies in the 40s like it seems like they wouldn't know how to drive but maybe i'm just wrong obviously women did drive in the 1940s especially because like when all the men left and whatnot right 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 they were more independent (laughs) giving us a little like eight like u.s history textbook (laughs) moment right now you're like they went to the mills rosie the riveter I did take AP U.S. history. Um, <laughs> yes, women and the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> okay, do you want to go to appreciate now? Yeah, okay. I don't know what it is. I think I actually was just very involved with watching this movie because I didn't write that much in general. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, Like, compared to other movies, like, Swan Princess, my notes were, like, spanning two pages. Like, spanning. The old version of Allie is extremely snatched, and I also wrote that it is impressive. Like, does she have, um, like, a a hair and makeup person? (laughs) Like, what? Um... Like, maybe, like, her beauty regimen is, like, the thing that has really stuck with her through her yeah, Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's it was just shocking. But also, to me, it's just the quickest giveaway. That, like, that mm-hmm. you, if she was going to be that snatched and, like, the, it, it's just, like, immediate, you know immediately that that's Allie, that this is Noah and Allie that we're seeing. Yeah. And I feel like it. Obviously, they weren't just going to put, like, two random old people in the story, but it should have been maybe a little less obvious than it was. I mean, she, she was literally, like, 
giving natural, like more natural version of Joan Rivers levels of snatch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like agreed. Did you know, did you immediately know that was them? Yes. I think they want the, the true reveal to be when her kids show up, her kids show up. Um, and they like pretend like, or not pretend, but you know, they're just meeting her or whatever. And then they reveal that, yeah, they like play along. And then they're like that. They reveal that that's their mom. James Marsden. That's (laughs) it. (laughs) Okay. But who, like on what planet would his character be such a nice person ultimately? Okay. I wrote that down too. Like when he, the shot of him once he's out of the hospital and when you see him leaning up against that car, I was like, this is the best moment of cinema I've seen in my fucking life. And I wrote yeah. down, we love to see a generous and giving James Marston. Like it does. He's not, he is not um, a, a three dimensional character just on paper. He like gives it a lot, but like, yeah. Hello. He so I mean, easily could have taken the um, Cal in Titanic turn of becoming mm-hmm. totally evil and I would have bought it. But this whole movie is so Titanic-esque that it's like, I'm like holding on for dear life basically the whole time because it reminds me so much of Titanic, but we'll come back to that. I'll probably post this on Instagram with like the behind the scenes stuff, but there was this like interview of him talking about the character and how um, it was, he was like appreciating how easy it would have been for them to turn him into like the asshole trope, like Mm -hmm. of that guy. But the fact that they didn't take that route and he was a good person made the decision that much harder for Allie. Like it wasn't an obvious choice. It wasn't a situation of Allie being like, you know, I should stay with um, Lon because he like is like really controlling of her, like had like sort of like an abusive hold on her or something like that. But it wasn't. It was just like this extremely like healthy seeming relationship that she had with him. Where they just like had fun and like both were smart and beautiful and like like set up for success. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, this certainly does look like a dumb decision, doesn't it? Certainly. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. I agree with whoever that audience critic person was who was like tailored costumes to boot or whatever because they are really good. They are yes. so well done. The shoes that Rachel McAdams wears that that like correspond with her entire outfit head to toe so well. Like mm-hmm. here's the people just don't dress anymore. That that's they what really I don't dress. They don't dress. And I had two specific uh, outfits written down. One of them was the courthouse outfit where she like goes to visit Lon in that building. I don't know if it was courthouse, but like the red accents, I was like, bitch, this outfit is doing yeah. a lot. And then also when she, I think it's when she goes back to Noah's house, like the next morning after she sees him for the first time in a million years and she has that headscarf on. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is it for me. Like that looks so good. Um, her hair yeah. was also great the whole time. There was probably some weird wig stuff going on in moments, but I just ignored it. There was nothing horrible, but I was looking a lot at like her hairline around the sides of her head, like where her ears were and just kind mm-hmm. of wondering like how it was done. Cause I could see like a little bit of weirdness, but like, I'm just nitpicky about wigs because why not? I didn't even necessarily notice that it was a wig the whole time. Like, do you think it was no, like some wigs and some wigs? I think and it was partial. Her hair. Yeah, I just the, the only other thing I wrote was literally, "Are you kidding me?" James Marsden is an angel. <laughs> I wrote that <laughs> when he was like, you know, I could beat him up, I could leave you, um, yeah, but I I won't do any of those things because they won't give me you. I was like, huh? <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe you should stay with him. Actually, maybe you should. Okay, I guess we should just save this for the end, but I'll just say it now. We can get into it later. I don't think she made the right choice at all. I really thought that it was a really great 
storytelling element. I'm sure it came from the book, but the fact that they are immediately leading with like, this is an ordinary story. Like this is just a story about two people because I feel like that's like what makes it different from Titanic because Titanic is like, this is this huge historical event that everyone knows about. And like, it is like two relatively ordinary people on that boat. But like with this, it's like, these are just two regular people and like the love story of these two regular people. And I feel like it's such a great way to like get the audience invested because they're like, this could be about me for all I know. Like there's beauty in things that are super everyday and like, I also wrote that down um, in terms of like when they're laying in the street under the stoplight. It's like this movie, especially in the first chunk, does like a really good job of making everyday small things, especially in the beginning of a romantic relationship. Like it depicts them in the... It gives them like the hugeness that it feels when you're in it, even though it's like very minor, like what they're actually doing, but it all feels like huge and super emotionally loaded. And Mm -hmm. I felt like they captured that really, really well. You know, when they're still like when they're old people in the beginning, the the old version of Noah is like walking out into the line to like take his pills. And Mm -hmm. the, the voiceover is like, um, like I'm just a nor like a normal man who chose to love someone every day and like that was enough for me. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? And that was at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. He he was like, the the best part of my life has been like loving someone every day for exactly who they are. And I was just like, stop, stop. Stop. Well, okay. These are kind of smaller things, but the scene right after Allie discovers that, um, like that Noah is still around and she's in the bathtub. I just thought that that was like an amazing little scene. I really enjoyed that. It was a good moment for Rachel. Um, a man building you a house as you actively ignore him for years. (laughs) It's a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she didn't know um, when the mom showed up at noah's house i had never been more excited for a fight in my life in a movie but like i wanted it to be a lot more down and dirty than it actually was like i wanted them to get into it but they kind of didn't no because everybody in this movie is like a better person than you think they're gonna be yes like, at the, you think it's going to be taken, like, almost to its detriment. Was that yeah. what you were going to say? Yes. Yeah. Except for Allie and Noah, in my opinion. I feel like they're the shittiest characters by a pretty large margin. The framing device, to me, was, like, excruciating. Like, I just didn't yeah. need it in general. It literally felt like the equivalent of getting a painful tattoo, but like emotionally, like it went on for so long. It was just so much. I was like, I don't even like this framing device. And yet here I am. Well, think of what the movie would be without the framing device though. Like, would it, I think it might be a worse movie because they've built the emotional underpinnings on the framing device, not on the, the stuff in the old times. So like I agree, but I think it could be reworked to not need it. And then lastly, underappreciate, I wrote, this movie has all the ingredients of something that will make Audrey cry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but like I didn't like think it would because I didn't remember that Alzheimer's was even involved. Like I did not remember that. Um, but yeah, like had the movie if if the movie Sometimes I felt the framing device was a little bit cheap. Um, yes, I agree. Or like it was like, it was like counting on you to be emotional. Like it's, it's like a little yep. too sad, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, I'm just like, I can't handle old people stuff. So <laughs> that's <laughs> basically the reason. Ha- yeah. Like if the framing device wasn't in the movie, I would not have cried <laughs> at all. Let's move into the bad Okay, so I'll just say my my kind of just throw away smaller things first and then like what okay. I, the bigger idea. So first of all, 
their accents are pretty questionable and spotty. Like, especially when Rachel does it, like sometimes she would just say a sentence that was maybe like 40% in accent and like 60% not. Yeah. Um, So there's that. And then also the way they just blow over um, Finn's death uh, at war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like... It wasn't that like your best friend? I mean, he didn't even yeah. look sad. <laughs> no. And they didn't talk about it. Like they really nope. didn't from the very beginning. Um, Noah like hopping on the Ferris wheel and all that. I'm like, if somebody did like the way that he acts just makes me want to punch him in the face. And I, I realized mm-hmm. that like she does also want to punch him in the face, like, in the beginning. I don't really see someone like that wearing me down, personally. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to see someone try that with you, though. <laughs> that's, like, her choice, I guess. But he just, like, has really toxic behavior. We see that they don't actually mesh that well. They fight a lot and they're like, you know, near the end, they're like, yeah, this isn't going to be easy. Like we're going to have to work to get along essentially. And it's like an interesting topic because yeah, like, like what is the line for people where they Like, how much are they willing to, like, fight for a relationship? Like, yes, if you are, like, fighting yourself every day, if you're, like, holding your tongue and, like... If you're fighting for your life and your relationship every day. Like, can it, no matter how much you love them, can it really be worth it? Like, that could take years off your life. Like, how much do you want to give up? Apparently, it has taken years off their lives because look at this shit. Okay, I agree. And I would also like to add, and this was one of the questions I had is, to me, it felt like question, first of all. So, you know, when they're having their summer fling and they like try to have sex in the house. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like they don't actually have sex, right? They don't have sex. They don't. They don't. So that begs the question to me, have they just been fantasizing about fucking for years and now they finally get to do it and they're like, wow, we could do this every day. Like to me, it just seems like a really horny choice to choose mm-hmm. Ryan or Noah over James because yeah. it's like you know everything that you're getting in this other relationship and like it's good. So why? I just felt like that was like a weirdly like, big part of it that they like didn't even talk about. Yeah. It was, um, it definitely was a big part of it and had like truly had Allie's mom not come to Noah's house to intervene and take her to the like, we, this part I really didn't, I I didn't think it worked. She brings Allie to like the mill thing or wherever the The mines, I don't know. Yeah, the lumber, whatever. (laughs) I don't know. She she brings um her there and is like, see that for like see that like middle aged man over there. Like I had a fling with that guy, and like I wonder what my life would be like. It would be totally different had I chosen him. But like I love your dad. But like you know the what if of it. I'm like I don't think you're I don't think you're like helping her really. But also, you know the fact that she even said that is great for Allie because it like shows her mom is if a a more well-rounded person than she had anticipated. Like she's not, Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't just hate Noah because of where he works or like, you know, his status. Yeah, It's more of like a security thing. Like I want you to feel um, secure in life. Like, I don't, I don't know. The whole mom thing was such a reach by the end. I was like, I want her to make this harder, not make it easier. Mm-hmm. She made oh, it yeah. so easy. She made it so easy. And also that reminds me that I felt, okay, even though I really enjoyed it because it was really well acted because James Marston is a king, that whole scene when they're like at the jazz club and James is literally like, if you marry me, you will be doing what your parents want. And that is not what you want in your soul. I was like, okay, so you're really just going to spell it out for us? Like this literally, like... <laughs> That kind of surprised me. And then it's like when the mom shows up and is like, 
be with Noah. She's still doing what they want, like kind of doing what they want in a roundabout way. I just thought that that was like, oh, kind of like not all the way cooked through element of the story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I did like see a deleted scene. There's a, a lot of deleted scenes mm, from this. Interesting. And it okay. did kind of unveil some things of like what they ultimately decided would shape the narrative in a way that like they didn't want. There's this scene where, okay, remember when Allie's mom goes out to the mail and she like, mm-hmm. you can tell that she is purposefully going to hide the letters. Yeah. From Noah. So so the deleted scene is right after we see that, she goes back into the house. Um, Rachel McAdams is cr- like crying, like devastated on the couch. And she asks her mom, like, was there anything like for me from Noah? And she just goes like, no, sweetie. Mama? Anything? No. I'm so sorry, baby. <laughs> like, she's <laughs> like, in the, if they had kept that in, it would have been, it just like came demonic. off really, like, sinister vibes. Um, <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> I just really didn't like the framing device. I was immediately stressed out by the fact that it was old people. I was just like, why can't this movie just be, like, a nice escapist moment? Similarly... The American South in the 1940s where they're not going to mention race, but they're going to have like black staff and black musicians and like a lot of blackness like in their world, but like never addressing any of it. I just thought that that was like, obviously it's very classic to that sort of movie, but like it felt mm-hmm. like gone with the wind to me. Like it felt like that. And I'm like, this is like a lot in the, f- this is like 2004. Like there's been a lot of time between now and then. It kind of reminded me of, um, it's not, I mean, it's different obviously, but like kind of the same time period as the help, like, like when it was mm-hmm. made. And like when I was a kid, I used to love the help. Like I thought that that was like a really good movie. Like we both loved the help. Um, but as, time has passed and obviously culture has shifted and like white people are learning more and more. Um, it's totally changed my perception of that movie. And I feel like obviously the notebook is like not about race. Um, but it just was like, it felt like such a big element of so many of the group scenes that I was like, why aren't we addressing this? And also, and also, how would, how would you see it be addressed? Like realistically in that movie? Like, I just don't see them doing anything good. Okay. First of all, they're living on a plantation. So that is just one part of it. But like Ali's dad could not look more like a cartoon racist if he possibly tried. And I kind of was like, okay, so clearly Noah's family has like, people in their peer group that are black. Like you kind of get that sense from like the dad's funeral and like, mm-hmm. that's kind of more of an element. And I'm like, so that you're really, been attention. exactly. That could have been a whole tension yeah. point. And it's kind of like backing away. Like, I just felt like it was kind of a cowardly choice to not mention anything at all about that in this, again, in that scene where it's James Marston and Allie at the jazz club. And he's like, your parents love me. And he's like, why? And he's like, you know, I'm wealthy. I'm from the South, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, like it's just, they all just have such deep, like racist Southern rich people vibes. Like their grandparents would have been slave owners. Also, one other thing, Allie choosing Noah has very much like Lana Del Rey-esque underpinnings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I want to circle back to that really bad. Pain. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You're choosing pain. Okay. I really want to come back to that point. So I'm putting a pin in it. Um, But the last problematic thing for me was that Allie hits him a lot to the point where I was like expecting him to hit her back like a lot of the time. Like if it had been flipped... If, if the gender had been flipped, like Noah would be like a monster, but for some reason, and I'm not trying to be like men's rights advocate right now, <laughs> but just like that didn't age well 
to me that that bothered me also just like very romanticizing JD and Heathers that someone would like hang off of a Ferris wheel and like make her scream that she wants to date him like in front of her friends and like humiliate her. I was just like, there's something, there's like some, some kinky vibes going on almost that just make me uncomfortable. That's that. Okay. Yeah. To your point about the choosing pain thing. Well, anytime you bring up Lana, you know, I have to jump in the ring (laughs) because I feel like up until There was like a whole era of my life where I was just like, Lana is the blueprint, like very ill-advisedly, but it was definitely true. And there were parts of this movie that reminded me so much of my college relationship, like the imbalances and like the class differences and like the things that they bond over being very like tactile or simple or just based off like having a fun and good time um I think was I I found that to be really impactful and I kind of think the whole movie is like this weird fantasia of like what if you were able to suspend that like young early love feeling for like as long as you possibly can and I also kind of feel like the whole like fantasy of the whole thing is extended into the like trying to outsmart Alzheimer's. Like yeah, life moves on, things fall apart, things change. Like that's just the way things are. And the thing that's so enticing about this movie to so many people is that it's just like, but what if it didn't? Like, like imagine yeah. by Ariana Grande plays in the background is impactful to watch regardless. Yeah. Also, you know? sisterhood of the traveling pants vibes with that one yep absolutely throwing it all the way back to that yeah I think I think that is basically what makes this movie powerful is like Mm -hmm. the what like humans always hope and wish could be true it's like this movie is a representation of that idea and like truthfully Allie and Noah really would not be together in their 80s or like in their like the odds of that are just not high. Surely that has happened before couples who have been married and fight and like fight a lot. Like, you know, they don't always separate, obviously, but like, yeah, it's just it's just like at some point arguing all the time, it's not going to be hot. Like, it's not going to be this thing, this, like, sexual thing, which it clearly is for them. Um, Because it's still, it was still, like, a fresh relationship. And then they spend so much time apart that they're able to suspend that fantasy Mm -hmm. for so long. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't actually live with each other. Like, they don't actually know who each other is, like, on a daily basis. We didn't even talk about the woman that Noah had been seeing like chilling with oh, basically yeah. kind of using yeah, yeah, yeah. for years who's a literal alley lookalike yeah i was like oh and also when she's like she's sensational seeing you be in love gives me something to look forward to hello yeah also, like that's kind of gay noah, to me <laughs> noah and ali get away with everything so easily yeah like, everyone's just like, yeah, it's actually fine. You can just, I don't care. Fuck, like, fuck me. Fuck my feelings. Like, go go do whatever you want. Like. Yeah. Well, because no one's dependent on them. They, they could have they pulled an enchanted and put James Marsden and that woman together. Like, they put James Marsden <laughs> yeah, and right. Dina Menzel together. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm glad that they didn't, though. I actually kind of appreciated that, like, there were other kind of lovers on the periphery. Like, I thought that made for kind of, like, some interesting flavor. And that was, like, an ounce of realism that actually worked. When Allie volunteered as a nurse, as, like, a nurse's assistant or whatever, and the voiceover is, like, to her, all of those men were Noah. I was like, wait does that mean that she knew that he went to war because how would she know that? Or is that just like her yearning into the oblivion? Yeah, just yearning. She didn't know. Okay. That line I found to be a little bit confusing. Yeah, because uh, when she knew Noah, 
he wasn't like a wounded soldier vibe. Like right. he was like very strong in his convictions and like con- like there I don't know, he just didn't have like an yeah. injured. I guess I guess maybe sort of he had like an injured quality, like moody dude kind of, but not really. The old Noah and the post-war Noah were like extremely different people, which like makes sense Mm because all the time has passed. But still, I was just kind of like, what? Yeah, like old Noah was so level-headed. He was so like at peace kind of with the chaos of the situation. He seemed like he like was on some next level meditation shit. And the fucking scene where she like comes to, like Uh she basically comes to and is like, I remember everything. I'm like, I know that like the way that Alzheimer's works, you will have moments of the person recalling things that they maybe couldn't have like yesterday or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like little windows of time. But the way that she talks is so... Like, I think it's unrealistic because they're, they're like yeah. slow dancing. And she's like, how much time do we have? How much yeah. time do we have? And he was like, well, last time it was five minutes. I was like, it's not like she's like <sighs> going to sleep and she's not like waking. You know, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, that whole. And then when she go when she forgets again and it has to be that whole like extremely graphic thing of like her getting sedated I'm just like can we fucking not like (laughs) I don't need this like I really don't need this that part especially felt like tearjerker porn basically like just that's what I like that's what I wrote that's what I wrote for like the question of is it worthwhile yes Um, okay let's get to that I said I said, I I guess, but it's trauma for real. And it's like yeah. to a level that doesn't warrant the means. It's like they like, yes. they like I agree. this, the range of emotion of this movie, <laughs> it should be somewhat consistent in like the, oh, yeah. the sort of like the heights that it will go to. Um but it just gets so much worse in in the old age. A part of me likes it because I'm like, well, we never get to see this in romance movies. Like you don't, uh-huh. you're they're not going to take you to old age. Like that's not that's not like okay. fun and romantic. But also, we are not connoisseurs of this genre, and based off of the ones that we do know, like Titanic and this one, it kind of does seem do. like a thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I just for like your run in the mill mainstream romance movie, like they're yeah. probably not gonna take you to old age. <laughs> Whatever you said, like the tactics to get you there, it literally feels like the framing device at the end feels like you're getting robbed at gunpoint over like fifty cents. Like it's just so much. Yeah. Um. And I is the movie worthwhile? I think yes, just as like a cult, like a piece of culture that is super like beloved by our generation and our demographic specifically. And I do think there are really, really good moments to it, but I do think that it is overrated, especially because that kissing in the rain scene was like not impactful to me. I know. I think that <laughs> I rain was heavy as it. fuck. Did you notice how heavy that yeah. rain was? I was like, whoa, that's a lot. <laughs> I think if I had more nostalgia for it, I probably would appreciate it more. I really do love things that represent wrong side of the tracks, romances. I think that's really fun. Who doesn't love to get like lost in like the fantasy of it all, you know, but there's just parts of it that are really weird. Yeah, all in all, if you want to get your heart like, um, like drop kicked, um, Uh, by the old people, then go right ahead. Be <laughs> by, by senior citizens. Yes, please go yeah. ahead. <laughs> oh, man. People, we made it through yet another movie. Um, We are always taking your suggestions. If there's one you really want us to do, um, send us a DM on Instagram at Two Pink Pictures. Um, I got to say, the merchandise orders have been slowly ticking upwards lately. So doesn't that make (laughs) you want to contribute to that trend? We have lots of cute stuff made by Joey, which by the way, 
go look at these pins that they made. Their Instagram is at Joey Sunny Design. Um, and you can see everything there. We will be back next week with another episode for you. Oh, thank you to anyone who expressed concern over my infected tooth hole. Where did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have made a recovery. So, you know, <laughs> it worked out. And I have um, more Diet Coke. So nice. <laughs> it's all good. Wow. I can't believe that people were concerned over your infected tooth hole. That's amazing. I can't believe I said that on this forum, but you know. It was really funny. It was funny. Okay. We hope you have appreciated Audrey's vulnerability regarding her now healed infected (laughs) tooth hole. And um, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer of this show is Michael D'Aloya. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you love Sleepover Cinema, if it's become a staple of your weekly routine, or if it's a new show you've been listening to, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a few friends, maybe even both. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Bye. I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.